This is a fantastic thing. It is a nightlight that is oh. Totoro and it's motion censored. So when you walk by, it lights up and Totoro dances with the oh thing that God. it's holding. <laughs> oh God. Cram's gonna explode. He's holding. Oh Jesus. You just heard the song Seven Girls War from the anime Wake Up Girls by the artist Wake Up Girls. And you're listening to session 228 of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. We have a sole mission, and that might be what? To make your anime addiction worse. Well, thank you very much. That was quite nice. I've heard a rumor that's what it is. Yeah? Yeah. So how, uh, how's everybody doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. Jamming doing out right. to that song. I'm your host, Mitsugi, and I'm joined by the lovely Chiaki. Say hello. Hello, everyone. And probably even more lovely, hailing from Japan, <laughs> is Cram. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, how's the weather in Japan? Do you have any uh, any stories? or? It's uh, very nice, actually. Uh, I've got the windows rolled down. Rolled down. I'm in a vehicle. <laughs> I've got the windows open in my house, letting the, the breeze in. It's uh, It feels like spring in the best way. It's not uh, cripplingly humid yet, but it'll get there. Looking forward to it. I have a very serious question for you, and I want you to answer it seriously. Sure, go for it. Has anybody died in your house recently? Not recently. Not mm. since the last person who did uh, some, you know, six or seven years ago. How boring. Anyway, you can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. We're currently in the middle of doing our listener choice selection for, yes. the, for the spring 2014 anime season. And who knows what's winning? So if oh, I do. <laughs> if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I hate the Animatics Anonymous podcast. They failed such and such anime. You can go to the website and vote for that anime, and maybe we will, we will end up reviewing it after all. Hopefully you guys don't hate us, though. Of course, we're also on iTunes, where you can leave us a five-star review if you want to. And I will read them on the podcast if you do. If you would like to leave us something other than a five-star review, you can just not do that. <laughs> we're also, <laughs> we're also on Facebook, diplomatic. and we're on Ustream. So you can find us at AAA Podcast or at Dusty Cram Cram, right? Yeah, that's right. That's where, uh, that's where I do my internet stuff. 
Okay. You do internet stuff, Cram? I do. Wow. I enjoy the inner tubes. I enjoy the inner tubes, too. So, we actually have some five-star reviews, and we had two of them. Actually, we had three of them this week, which are, which is a little bit unusual, but I um, chose two because the first one is the shortest five-star review we have ever had on this podcast, ever. So, the first five-star review is submitted by Wondering Moses, and who would like to read that five-star review? Oh, oh can I read it? Because I'm not so good with the reading. Because you're blonde? And it's Yeah? Okay, you go ahead. Wandering Moses writes, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. Well, you know, it's short, sweet, to the point, direct. Fantastic. Brevity is a virtue. Yeah. The, uh, the second, the second five-star review is submitted by Ano Kaze, and it's really, really long. I, uh, would, you, would, you, would, you, would you care to, to share this, impression, this review with me, Cram? Maybe I could read the first yes. half. Yes, what I will think? read it. Uh, Anokaze writes, You will be hard-pressed to find a more stellar anime review slash discussion slash Japan-themed show than the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. I've been listening for almost a year now as I try to keep up with my anime addiction. I keep coming back for the interesting opinions, superb analysis, comedy, and the pure excitement that each new episode brings. You learn a lot listening to the podcast, not only about anime, but about storytelling, art forms, and life in Japan and the like. While other podcasts often go off on tangents covering only the most well-known shows or only the niche ones, the AAA podcast strikes up a balance in its content. If only the hate against Moe wasn't so strong. The Ooh. podcast is well-organized and the dynamics between the hosts work well and makes the podcast fun to listen to. While I try to keep my uh, anime addiction somewhat of a secret, the AAA podcast in its professionalism has helped me become confident in defending anime for what it deserves. Woo. With 226 episodes now and counting, I hope that the hosts continue to provide the well-thought-out and professional content that they always have. More hentai episodes, please. <laughs> You guys are really My professional goodness. and well organized. Now more porn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, the, there's a, there's a significant portion of people that listen to this podcast that would just prefer that I release nothing but hentai episodes. I'm pretty sure that's true, actually. Yeah, I I don't doubt it. I I feel like it would be a combination of hentai episodes and during the hentai episode, you feeding me weird things from a blender. No, that's what you want, because you're a moe girl, and all you want to do is eat cake. How did that go? Uh, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago. How did that go? Um, It depends on who you are. (laughs) Uh, I I, I attempted to purge Chiaki's soul of the filth that is moe, and in in actuality ended up... The moe archangel was born. Ended up creating something terrible, so... (laughs) See. If you haven't listened to that episode, that was episode 226. That is the first time we've ever used a blender on the podcast. So, and yeah. <laughs> well. you, you, so you, you tried to exercise the Moe demons by feeding her cake? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to demonstrate the evils of cake eating. Okay. Yes. I don't think you know what you're doing. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I did not have the church exorcists with me, so I was trying my best. That's not quite my area. Anyway, so we have some new forum members, so welcome to Osbert, Ratcliffe, and Hannibal24280. So, how nice. Uh, my name is Hannibal, because that's, that's one of my favorite characters and stuff. Hannibal I hear that uh, TV show is pretty good. Oh, is it? Yeah, I heard. I heard it's really good. I haven't watched it yet, though, so I can't comment. I can't nitpick it like I'm going to do to Wake Up Girls later. Oh, sorry. 
Oh no. Anyway, so Spoiler. moving on to the trivia. The uh, the trivia was smoking you guys this week. So we had people just randomly guessing temples all over the place. The trivia picture this last week was a picture of the Omi Jingu from Chihayafuru, which is a temple located in Otsushi, which is in the Kansai region. And we had, it was a picture of a temple, and we had all kinds of random guesses. Just, we had... I'm actually surprised so many people got stumped from that. Like Meiji Temple, Fushimi Inari, all these random things in Kyoto. Fushimi Inari wasn't, wasn't a far off, I mean, I mean, I don't know. They're I don't know, red. Fushimi Inari is like the mo- one of the most recognizable temples in Japan. So anyway, the, only two, only three of you got the answer correctly. So congratulations to Takiora77, Icy Rose, and Shakespeare. That was a tough one. Uh, I, I personally admit that I didn't know the answer. I mean... It looked like every other temple in Japan. Um, side note, the uh, Omi Jingu was a temple that was erected in 1940, dedicated to the Emperor Tenji. So, oh, and the winner for the week was Takuura 77. So, nice job, you. Uh, and we're on our last, it. our last Japan scenes question. So remember, don't name the anime. Name the place in Japan. Uh, Brooke, Brooks Austin 52 in the chat is asking Chiaki if she has seen Bodacious Space Pirates. Nope. Yeah, th- th- that show came out like three years ago, and I think Roko was supposed to do it, but never did, ended up reviewing yeah. it. I remember when it came out. Wasn't interested. Yeah. All right. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag, bag, bag, bag. If you want to submit a mailbag to the podcast, you can do so on the main page, www.aaapodcast.com. There's a tab that says mailbag. We actually just got finished doing a mailbag roundup episode on episode 226, so we are we're still not caught up, but we're we're closer to being caught up. So we're doing our best. There's a lot of mailbags. Um, I will read the first mailbag because actually, you know what? I've been talking a lot. Can I read it? Why don't you go ahead? So our first mailbag is from Yotaru Vegeta. Yotaru Vegeta writes, It's Japanese mystery food time. I haven't found a food I can't ID in anime, so this time I've used a screen cap from a live-action Japanese show. The show, I assume, is stand-up. And then they've sent a link to this food for us to use. And for those of you in the chat, I'll post the link in the chat as well. AAA crew, please help me identify this food. I feel like it's some sort of cake. Bonus, what's wrong with the picture? Capellion, there's a Capellion picture also. Um, yeah, this picture, it's, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's a picture of like rolled up jelly things. They're green and yellow and red. We posted the, the image in the chat. Um, I'm going to defer to Cram on this one. Do you know what this is, Cram? Let's see. Um, it looks like some kind of. Uh, let's see. You know, I'm, I don't. I don't really know. Um, it looks like some kind of mochi, maybe. Yeah. I think. I think it's you know those. Um, I don't know what they're called, but you know those those jelly things that you get in Oden. They're gray with the tonjiru. black spots. Tonjiru. Tonjiru. I've seen tonjiru in different colors, so I'm thinking maybe it's like that. Tonjiru means pork soup. 
but these could be I don't oh. man I don't know this might be this could be a couple of things I, it could be either mochi or like some kind of compressed fish uh, paste well I, I'm yeah. deal when I when I said tones you do I'm, I'm referring to the little speckled um, root vegetable derived blocks of like carbohydrate that they put in tones you do you know do you know what I'm referring to Speckly, oh. little, speckly little jelly cube things. That's that's what I'm talking about. They, yeah. They're like grayish. Yeah. It's but one I've, of those. I've seen them in green. Oh, you mean, oh, you mean that, that's konyaku. 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 konyaku, konyaku there it yeah. is. I, so, I'm thinking it's a type of konyaku. That's my bet. The, uh, there's more to this mailbag. The, um, he follows up and says, AAA crew, please help me identify. Oh, he already asked that question. He, uh, he has a follow-up question to a photo from, K- from Kopelian, which have we posted that photo to the chat yet? Yes, I posted both of them. So <laughs> in the photo, there's a picture of a girl holding up a container that says AED on it. And I quickly just Googled AED and came up with automatic external defib- defib- defibrillator. I can't read either. Uh, which is a portable electronic device that automatically diagnoses the life-threatening cardiac arrhythmias of ventricular defibrillation fibrillation, and ventricular tachycardia in a patient. And it is able to treat them through defibrillation. In in layman's terms, when your heart is messed up, it fixes it. Yay! I, I haven't seen Capellian, but I'm guessing that was right. So, so, well, yeah, but the the problem with the picture is that she's holding it, and it's written in huge bold letters AED, and the <laughs> subtitle is "Is this the AED?" <laughs> I watched Capellian, and I would not say those girls are particularly smart. So, yeah, well, at least it's consistent. All right. Who wants to read the next mailbag? Go for it, Cram. It's all you. This one comes from Daikosen, and this person writes, Anytime I look for something new to watch, it always seems to be that I get the same recommendations. It wasn't until the other day that I started to watch Space Brothers after my friend told me about it months ago when it had just started. It doesn't look really interesting, but now I find myself hooked. Do you guys know of any other sleeper hits like this? I don't know if I'd call Space Brothers a sleeper hit. I mean, it it yeah, had it live kind of action big. show, a live action movie, and it's kind of a big random. deal. But I I I think maybe what Radko Sen is asking is sleeper hits like in America because I don't think Space Brothers really made a splash with the American community. So I think that what people may find is if you just go to someone and they don't really know you or whatnot and you say give me some recommendations you're gonna get kind of the same form recommendations of what everyone has as their must watch anime I think if you go up to someone and you say hey I've seen kind of all of this stuff I've watched all the Ghibli I've seen all the major things can you recommend something else then you'll start getting kind of these more quote-unquote sleepers one that comes immediately to mind for me that i reviewed on the show a while ago that kind of happened and then just went away was go sick and that was really really good and it was a show and it happened and then no one talked about it ever again my opinion is that at at this point in time most people are watching current more current anime and i feel like there are a lot less people that are going back and watching the older stuff and at this point, I think the older anime that are good sort of have the effect of being a sleeper hit because they're sort of unknown and the people aren't watching them. So instead of trying to find modern-day sleepers, which is kind of hard to do with the way that the internet sort of discovers and discusses everything and mass quantity on Reddit and all and you know whatnot yeah. when, with regards to anime, go back to like the late 90s and start watching stuff from the late 90s. You're going to find that there's a really huge quantity of great anime from that period that you probably have never heard of. And it's not hard to go back and find a website that talks about, like, great anime from the late 
1990s. In fact, we've done that on the podcast also. Yeah. I mean, we have whole episodes where we talk about the best shows from a, you know, a five-year period. So go back and find those and go watch your Escaflones and your, you know, all the other shows that we keep talking about that are great. A couple of people in the chat man- mentioned Planetess. If you like Space Brothers, great. you might like Planetess. Planetess is amazing. That's an amazing show. So just yeah. recommend that one. Planetess, Planetess uh, would, certainly would give uh, Space Brothers a run for its money. That's uh, a true statement. Um, yeah, too. Two of my favorite shows from last year uh, were The Eccentric Family and Kill So Giga, and they did not get a whole lot of uh, discussion from the, the fan community. So I would, I would call those uh, sl- I, I don't, I don't. What is a sleeper, though? I, I, I thought a sleeper was like a hit that you didn't expect to be a hit, but those weren't really hits. So I don't know. They were just really great shows. It's a difficult terminology to, to sort of. Yeah. Anyway, so we have. Yeah, those would be my recommendations. We have one more mailbag, and it's from Project 5. He, it's a really very short question. He writes, anime or game that makes you cry? So I was just sitting here. The obvious ones are Grave of the Fireflies, and that's pretty much the most obvious answer probably. Um, actually, we just mentioned Space Brothers, but Uchu Kyodai. That made me cry too. I found myself crying like every 10th episode. It's really, they're really good at like, it, have, like getting, their, getting their, digging their fingers into you. It's pretty good. I cried at the end of Mawaro Penguin Drum the first three times that I watched it. I, I've i said this on the podcast before, but I cried for like five straight hours when I was watching Full Moon Oskashite. I still, searching for the full moon in English, I still stand by the fact that's probably the saddest anime that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, probably for me, the 39th episode of Pokemon, Pikachu's Goodbye. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> that one made me, oh, made me cry like a baby. Right Crane. there. I I also played a hentai game <laughs> once. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, <laughs> called uh, called Kana Little Sister. This is devolving quickly. No, actually, Kana Little Sister is actually a really excellent game. It's 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 a game that had two sex scenes in it that were really out of place and d- didn't really seem like they belonged in the game at all. Otherwise, the game is just a really, really sad story about a girl who's very sick. And that's about it. It's it's actually quite good, and you, you will cry. I think the last game that I remember really making me cry beyond just kind of tearing up, like actual crying, was the end of Final Fantasy X. I cried. I cried through half of Tales of Grace's F because it was so terrible. <laughs> you wept for the fact that you purchased that game. As I ran, I was so thankful that that game did, didn't have random battles because I was so done. I just <laughs> I was just running from everything. Anyway, um, yeah, I have no further comments. Anything else on the, on that third mailbag question? Go, go, no, Godzilla. <laughs> that of, wasn't for the mailbag transition. Speaking of Godzilla, um, I saw the Godzilla movie. I know that Cram hasn't seen it because it doesn't come out in Japan until like the end of July. Which, which is, is really so weird. weird. I have an issue with that because of all of the countries that it's being released in internationally, you know, outside the United States, Japan gets Godzilla last. <laughs> What kind of sense does that make? Here, Japan, we took this. You made it first. We're going to do it and then give it to you when we feel like it. We get it like July 30th or 31st or something like that. It is like if you go on IMDb and look up the release dates, it is dead last. Oh, why do you think that is? I I think Um, Japan has a long history with uh, with 
lengthy localization processes for whatever reason. I know that when the Avengers came out in the United States, it didn't come out in Japan until like August, even though it was released in like May or something in the States. That happens all the time. But then, you know, on the other hand, you've got stuff like the last Harry Potter film that had an international simultaneous release. Japan got it when everybody else did. So, you know, I'm really not sure what the reason is, but it's one of those mysteries that, uh, it, it is talked about online. You can look it up. People are saying, like, why does Japan get everything last? That's dumb. Anyway, so as I, uh, as I, as I play the, uh, the cartoon theme song from Godzilla, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discuss the, uh, the movie a little bit. Godzilla! And Hey, anybody who watched the original... Dry, uh, Dragon Ball Z, the original Godzilla cartoon, knows this song. Anyway, so I, 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 the entire time I was watching the movie, all I could think about was the cartoon, because the movie reminded me of the cartoon a great deal. I, I don't think it's really a spoiler, and if I say this out loud, but you know, and throughout the history of Godzilla, Godzilla has been a good guy and a bad guy in all of the different movies. I think in the first, in the original movie, he's a bad guy. Um, He's usually a good guy, though. Yeah, that's the weird thing. He kind of comes and... In the 1999 travesty that was some terrible iguana Godzilla, he was a bad guy. But in yes. I, but in in the in the long running Hanna Barbera cartoon, and in pretty much to my knowledge all of the like Godzilla versus Mothra and other dr- original Japanese productions, he was a good guy. And in this new Godzilla film, Godzilla is also a good character in the movie. And that's not really a spoiler. They pretty much tell you that immediately. And I was really pleased with the movie. The number, the number one thing I wanted to make sure that they didn't screw up was his appearance. And he looks like Godzilla is supposed to look. He looks like a, he looks like a T-Rex with longer arms and like meteor thighs and his bony and his, his spiky plates on his back. He breathes fire in the movie. Is Those Godzilla like, swole? He's pretty swole. Does he he's, lift? Uh, he does. Okay. He lifts. He's, he does his squats. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, I thought it was a good movie. It was a little slow in the middle, but um, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, the director, Cram, you told me the director already got already landed a new gig, right? Yeah, he's going to be doing a Star Wars spinoff. He also did a he also did a really great kind of inspired by kaiju movie called Monsters a few years ago. Um, really, really super low budget thing that just looks amazing for how much he made it for. I would recommend people check that out. I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. I almost kind of hope that we get a rebirth of the monster movie because they've kind of gone away over the years. And I think that mm-hmm. technology has has changed by leaps and bounds since the last kind of era of monster movies and i'm kind of hoping yep. we see a resurgence because i i just think there's something fun about monster movies the oh, yeah, um, absolutely the 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 film has done quite well it has already grossed 230 million dollars just after about a week of being out and that's global global sales but it's as i was already said it's not even out in some major markets like japan which is going to Bring in some money because that's originally a Japanese movie. So it'll be really interesting to see the Japanese response to it. You said some American actors or actresses speak Japanese yeah, in the movie, Brian, and it's kind of rough. Brian Cranston, isn't it? Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. He speaks some Japanese in the movie, especially in the beginning, and it's not it's not super terrible. I mean, it's <laughs> it's intelligible. Like you can understand what he's saying. There's there's Japanese people in the movie too, and their Japanese is obviously you know it's normal, it's perfect, but um. They sound like Japanese people, 
But Brian Cranston did his best. It's a little, it's a little rough. He he's a little, he's a little like a like German sort of with his Japanese, but <laughs> it's not. It's Gutter, not so guttural, bad. you mean? It's a little like guttural, that. but um, you can yeah. understand. He doesn't speak more than maybe fifty words of Japanese the whole movie. So oh wow. Anyway, so why don't we um, you know, move our way towards the the first news break here because we're starting to run a little long. But I do have a poll question for you guys. The poll question is: Have you seen the new Godzilla movie yet? So staying very timely with it and your options are yes it was great yes but i prefer the older movies or cartoons no but i intend to see it or no not interested in godzilla so we're gonna have that poll and the news break and when we come back we're gonna be doing our 300 dollars anime merchandise shopping sprees where we have 300 dollars and we go online and find anime goods to display for you or to talk to tell you about that you could buy and then we're going to take another news break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to have a review on Wake Up Girls. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, all you anime fans out there. This is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up... For those of you who are eagerly awaiting to go to Japan or who might be living in Japan, now is a good time to be there. If you're not familiar, a very famous travel agency company in Japan is called JTB, and they're offering an Attack on Titan extra tour. For those of you interested, the tour is 39,800 yen, which is about 400 US dollars. Now, why might you pay so much for a tour? Well, if you pay out that money and get in the limited slots available on the tour, you can appear as an extra in next year's live-action Attack on Titan film. Participants will also get a group photo on the set, too. The tour will leave Tokyo on June 7th and includes a charter bus, a three-night stay in an inn in Ibaraki. Meals are also included. Participants must be at least 20 years old, 185 centimeters or shorter, 85 kilograms or lighter, and have natural black hair coloring and unmanicured nails. So sorry for those of you who are gaijin. In other news, animators don't make very much money. We talk about it often, the plight of the animator on the show. But did you know that the average Japanese animator starts at just 10,000 US dollars a year? Now, the U.S. average for salary is around 40000 so animators are, well, doing a labor of love a lot of the time. Animators Naoyuki Asano from the Tatami Galaxy and Shingo Yamashita from Gachaman Crowds and NPO animator supporters Jun Sugawara have launched an Indiegogo campaign to establish dormitory housing for low-income animators. The campaign launched on April 24th and is looking to raise about 10,000 US dollars to ease the financial burden for entry-level animation staff. As of May 19th, the, com- the campaign had raised just over $2,000. It'll end on June 9th, so if you have some extra cash and want to help out the animators that produce the thing you love, you can go to Indiegogo.com. Another news for those of you who are attending the Toronto International Film Festival, it has been announced that prolific animator, anime director Mamoru Oshii will be in attendance. At the event, he will have an on-stage interview. The event is in July. 
Finally, for you Space Brothers fans out there, the upcoming Uchu Kyodai number zero, or Space Brother number zero, is collaborating with a real satellite launch. The Advanced Land Observing Satellite number two, or ALOS number two, or Daichi number two, because apparently a satellite needs three names, will take to the skies on May 24th, and Hibito and Muta will offer words of support in a special video. I'm sure you'll be able to find that video on YouTube. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Just another day in the church of Mitsugi. Dearest child, <laughs> confide, in me, confide in me your sins. I don't know, is this a sin? I was just going to say boobs don't accidentally fall out, but I have had my boob accidentally fall out of my bra before. Not out of my shirt, but out of my bra, so I mean, I guess it kind of does happen. I mean, boobs are jiggly. Oh, woest, moe-influenced child. Ye, my boobs are moe Ye hath contributed to the moe movement. <laughs> Let these sins be known, and may God have mercy on your soul. Another soul has been saved. Back to this heavenly podcast. Welcome back to the 228th episode of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. We have some poll results for you guys. Ooh, go, go, Godzilla poll. So it looks like 28% of you, well, leading, leading the poll with 44%, people have said that no, they haven't seen it, but they want to see it. 20% of you are not interested, and 28, 28% of you thought it was great. So I really dig the fact that right now on our podcast, we have Mozart playing in the background. Well, what else? What better song to represent the Church of Mitsugi? I, I'm not complaining. I'm saying I think it's awesome, because the Requiem is, is awesome. Uh, Mozart himself told me that he supports the anti-Moe movement. Mozart himself? Yeah. He came to me in a dream. A, a, pope, okay. a popely dream. A popely dream. Yes. <laughs> Are you going to share your pope dreams from nope. now on? Nope, I'm not. Nope, okay. <laughs> so the topic for this podcast is kind of a fun one. We have we decided that we haven't talked about anime merchandise in a while, and it's something that a lot of people are interested in. So we're going to play a little game here where each of us gets $300, and we are going to one at a time tell people what we would have selected had we gone on a $300 anime merchandise shopping spree. It, it's kind of a problem because I kind of want to buy a couple of the things on my list like at this exact moment. Well, get your wallet out. Who's stopping you? Uh, my wallet's not here. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, but PayPal. I don't need my wallet for PayPal, Save right? Save it for the strippers, Chiaki. What? So, so who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go for it. I'm excited to see what and your list is. Well, while you so guys, yeah. while you guys talk about your 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 anime toys or whatever, I'm gonna post the links to the chat so people can can check out what we're talking about. Excellent. Thank you. So uh, the first thing at the very top of my list is a book called Big Eyes, Small Mouth, and this is the third edition of a tabletop. Uh, RPG system, role-playing game system, kind of like uh, Dungeons and Dragons or uh, or uh, Vampire the Masquerade, if you will. Uh, and it's a universal anime-themed role-playing game system. Now, uh, I played this years and years ago when I was in high school. Uh, I played first and second edition, and then they came out with a D. If you're familiar with RPGs at all, 
Um, they came out with a D20 version of the system, but the, the third edition goes back to the core system, which is what was called the TriStat system. Uh, and I think that this is probably one of the best uh, role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game mechanics um, and, and core systems out there. I, I think I like it even more than the D20 system that, uh, that Dungeons & Dragons and, and you know, most other uh, tabletop RPGs use. Um, but I'm totally it's, it's shocked really cool. I've never heard about this because my friends and I played Vampire the Masquerade and D&D and all that tabletop goodness and yeah. how did I not find this before? It's very cool. It, it, takes, um, it takes anime tropes and it uses them to kind of build this RPG world. So when you build your characters, you can give them attributes and defects. And the more attributes you give them takes away a stock of, of points that you have to kind of build these attributes. Now, these attributes can be things like, you know, the ability to use magic or the ability to pilot, a, you know, a, a big robot or things that you would find in anime. And then defects are the kind of defects that you would find in characters in anime. So like being very clumsy or maybe wanting to bang your sister. I don't know. Maybe not that. <laughs> oh, but, man. You know. <laughs> but, 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 but what year or time period is this game from? Is this an older game or a new game? Well, I guess the first edition, I'm not sure when the first edition came out, but it must have been at least 15 years ago or something like that. Um, this third edition uh, came out in 2007, I believe, and I have not uh, gotten my hands on it yet, but I played first, second, and D20, and I'm planning on buying this and see if seeing if I can put together a a little campaign, but it is universal. So you can use this system and basically build uh, a role-playing campaign, a tabletop campaign uh, in any ostensibly any anime genre. So mm. if you want to do a space opera or a mech show or a, my little sister can't be this amazing kind of thing. Yeah, you can do that. I'm sure that if somebody, if somebody bought this game for our podcast and send it to us. We might use it on the podcast for a couple of different episodes. Look at you try to get free stuff. Hey, you know what? If it, you want to, hey, hey, listeners, we're posting our personal wish list. You might you, want to get is on kind that. Of a, it is kind of a good resource for like understanding <laughs> tropes and things like that. Like it is kind of boiled down to those basic tenets of uh, of 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 anime and and kind of what it is. But um, yeah, that's the first thing on my list. Next up is a book called A Brief History of Manga, and this retails for $12.95. Now, this is written by manga and anime expert Helen McCarthy, who also wrote a great book uh, that I just finished reading a few months ago called Hayao Miyazaki, Master of Japanese Animation. It is not out yet. It's scheduled for release in July of this year, and I'm looking forward to it because uh, she is she's somewhat of a of an anime scholar, I guess, um, and she's very, very knowledgeable. Um, She's been on various anime podcasts before. In fact, uh, I would I, I think it'd be a good idea if we tried to get her on our show. That would be very cool. Uh, but her what I've read of her work is very impressive. It's very uh, philosophical and well thought out, and uh, and very scholarly. So I would uh, I would probably also recommend this book preemptively, even though I haven't read it. Um, so in July, I'll be picking this up and and enjoying it. I'm sure. Um, next up on my list is. Uh, a tool for learning Japanese. Now, these are sold by um, a guy named Danny Chu, which uh, oh, yeah. many anime fans know of. <laughs> <laughs> and these are called the Moe Kana or the Moe Kanji cards. Now, the Moe Kana cards are $15 and the Moe Kanji cards are $25. And um, they are basically just little flashcards that have cute 
anime girl characters, moe girl characters on them uh, that will teach you, the, the Kana ones teach you the Hiragana syllabary uh, from Japanese. Um, that he doesn't have any for katakana yet, but I'm, I imagine those will are, are forthcoming. And then the Moe Kanji cards teach you the 87 kanji that comprise a Japanese first grader's education. You know, the first 87 kanji that a, a Japanese kid learns. So these are they're really cute. And if you're a fan of anime, or if you're specifically a fan of Moe kinds of things, and you're interested in learning Japanese, I think this is a, a, a good stepping stone, a good first step, because um, they are really cute. Yeah, and they are. From from what I've seen, they do look pretty high quality. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, only Danny Chu could come up with a product that would have, that would let you study Japanese while staring at girls' underwear. So the one one bad thing <laughs> just about brushes this is right I, over it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true though. I mean, it, it goes without saying. They're very cute. They're very cute cards, and especially with the kanji cards where they have like you know the the kanji that means rice field, like da or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They have like a picture of a rice field. I mean, I can see how having the visual representation would probably help a lot of people that were visual learners. That's how I always learned my kanji is I would draw pictures with them. Yeah, they're um, they look really useful and and cute. Honestly, um, one bad thing about them is that I I can't find them anywhere except for Japanese stores. So I know that you can find them in brick and mortar stores here in Japan. You can also find them on Amazon.com or Amazon.co.jp, Japanese Amazon. Uh, I don't know if they're available in the West, really, which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense since they're for learning Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I imagine, I mean, you can can order stuff from Japanese Amazon. I was going to say, if it... If it exists in the world, you can find it on the internet somehow. Of course. Uh, Next up on my list is a My Neighbor Totoro necktie. Now, I have a couple of these, and they retail for $84.75 USD. That's pretty expensive. Pretty pricey, um, but they're they're very cute, and they actually have very subtle designs. So it's not they're they're not loud and and uh, and um, you know kind of bad for a professional environment so you can actually show your love for Ghibli in a professional way the the uh, the design the Totoro inspired design is very subtle and small um, and I, I would be I, I mean I am I'm am very comfortable wearing my Totoro neckties to work um, I do work in an elementary school so I also wear really loud terrible like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh and Spider-Man neckties but you know if I had a more professional uh, kind of job business oriented uh, career I would still wear my Totoro neckties so oh. um Oh my gosh, Cram. Cram on the website, yeah. it has the it has the fabric for the ties and it says it says 97% silk, 3% dragon whiskers. Oh, well, oh. yes. I I can corroborate that. That's that's true. Actually, it doesn't say that on the website. I was just lying. Okay. You're a liar. I know, but it but <laughs> but if it did have dragon <laughs> whiskers, I'd be buying a tie or two or three. What about phoenix feather or unicorn hair? Phoenix feather. What what what? <laughs> at what at what at what point in Totoro does a phoenix feather emerge? I just went Harry Potter on you. I'm disgusted. You're okay. disgusted by Harry Potter. Okay, so what's we're not so, friends anymore. <laughs> All right, so this Sorry. is really cool. I if it wasn't so expensive, I'd probably pick up pick up a tie for myself. But. One yeah, one moment, nice. Baka is dumb in the chat. Asked a really good question that I should have said right at the very beginning. When the episode posting goes up for this episode on our main site. If you click on the episode entry, we'll have the full list of all of these with links to where you can purchase all of them. 
So that way you can indeed go on your own anime shopping spree. Sorry. Go ahead, Cram. Uh, next up is kind of a joke one, but uh, I've got to I've got to do it. This is a Nature Valley Crunchy Granola Bars Oats and Honey Flavor. It's 96 bars for 22.29 on Amazon.com, and I would highly recommend this to any <laughs> to to any anime fan who has been on uh, Twitter in the past month or so because something really weird happened. Did you guys hear about this? I did not. Please tell the I story. I thought this Nature Valley thing was for your wife. No, this. <laughs> So basically what happened was someone on Twitter um, in, in, the, in the small niche, the sphere of Twitter called Ani Twitter that talks about anime and manga, uh, someone mentioned that they were eating Nature Valley uh, crunchy granola, bar, granola bars while watching anime. And the official Nature Valley Twitter account responded to them. And they thought that they would be coy and funny. And so they asked them who their favorite Love Live characters were, I think it was. And Nature Valley responded with like a, a very detailed answer about their favorite Love Live characters. And <laughs> after, th- after that, Ani Twitter just exploded with all of this fan art where they were like superimposing Nature Valley granola bars into <laughs> screenshots from anime and all this kind of stuff. And I think that, that Nature Valley even commissioned an artist to make them an official anime mascot for Nature Valley. That's amazing. That was the last thing that happened, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you can you can search online. There's a there's a nice uh, news article about it that I read. Uh, uh, I guess last week. It warms um, my heart to see companies do things like that, where yeah, they rather than either ignoring it or just kind of brushing it off, really embracing yep. it. So uh, yeah, I thought that was really really cute i even i even made one of my own i made i took a little picture at a at a festival with me trying to feed a granola bar to a <laughs> to a, a pretty mask or a precure mask so uh so cram how much money do you have left on your shopping um, spree you know i'm i haven't been keeping up with it my, my total is going to end up being between like 280 and 307 dollars or so because of the last thing that i've got on here is kind of a the price is not set all right well what's next um, on your list the two things, two things left. I've got uh, Understanding Comics, which is a book by Scott McCloud. So this is not solely for manga. It's for all comics, but it is a very kind of thoughtful and philosophical look at uh, examining comic books and how they tell stories. Uh, and I think that anybody that's interested in manga, uh, it would behoove them to, uh, to read this book. It's a really great book. Scott McCloud actually spoke at my university while I was attending, and he had a great lecture about, uh, you know, this topic exactly is understanding comic books and the the artistry that goes into it and the nature of storytelling from a comic book perspective uh and the the book is just amazing it's great it's kind of it's kind of one of those standard go-to books for people who are in the kind of academic uh scholarly pursuit of things that are geeky like comic books and and things like that uh, it re- retails for twelve ninety eight, and I would highly recommend it. And the last thing on my list is any Japanese Ghibli Blu-ray release, just any <laughs> of them. Because I, the the Western releases are fine, but the Japanese releases are just gorgeous. Like the packaging, I was going to say wonderful. they have those those white silhouette packaging, right? Is that right. is that only Japanese, or is that Western as well? That's only the Japanese. Yeah. I have uh, almost all of them in the collection right now, and they've got a few more coming out this summer that I'm going to be dropping some money on. But they retail for 
between fifty and seventy-five dollars uh, USD. Uh, can buy them from Amazon.co.jp, and I believe the link that that is getting posted to the chat um, is a search, just a search on Amazon on Japanese Amazon for the Ghibli, the Japanese Ghibli Blu-ray. So you can look through there and see the prices. But they're just the presentation of of these Blu-rays is just gorgeous, and uh, luckily the United States actually shares a Blu-ray region with Japan. So if you buy one of these, you don't have to worry about getting a region-free DVD player. If that is, if you're in the states, I believe it's region A. So if you're outside the United States, double-check that, make sure your region is A, and you should be good to go on these. But I highly recommend these uh, these Ghibli Blu-rays because they just they look great. Graham, they look wonderful on the shelf. If you go to JList.com, you can buy a box set of Ghibli Blu-ray movies in the collection, just like you have, and yeah. they are selling 17 Ghibli Blu-ray films plus special extras for $1,200. Ooh, that's for seven, crazy. For 17 movies. All right, I know that- Japan. At the end of the summer, uh, Ghibli is planning to release a box set officially that has all of the Blu-rays in it, plus the extras, and I think it's going to be like $600 US, something like that. So um, if you wait for that official release, you can save uh, a few hundred dollars. All right. Well, thank you for your list, Cram. That was delightful. Thank you for staying within your budget. Yeah, well, I tried. It was hard. I'm, I'm going to go next because my list is pretty short here. It's okay. it's only five items. Um, the first item on my list, and by the way, my total came to $313. So I, I overspent a little bit, but I'll pay it out of my pocket. You know what I mean? The $13. <laughs> so the first item on my list is from eBay. I found for $50, I found seven boxes of Coco Ichiban Curry. Mm, curry. So that's pretty expensive uh, for the boxes, but I guess that's the price you pay for living in a foreign country. It's the price you pay for the best curry ever. Yeah, for yeah. the best curry ever. So it's uh it's seven boxes of your favorite Japanese curry house curry. So Or what will soon be your favorite Japanese curry house curry if you've never had Kokuichiban. Yeah. If, if for those people that are traveling to Japan, if you don't go to Kokuichiban You can't listen to the podcast anymore. You really <laughs> you really did yourself a disservice. I recommend at least trying it, even if you don't think you like curry. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think I think you can actually go to Kokoichi in the United States in New York or Los Angeles. You can. I think those are the yeah. only two locations that they have. Yeah. I um my next item on the list is probably the most expensive item that any of us will select. Uh, it's uh it's it's a one hundred and forty dollar anime cell. Mm. I uh, I do like anime cells and I own several of them, uh, several nice ones. And this one right here that I'm posting to the chat is also on eBay, which is a great place to buy anime cells because oh, that's a nice looking cell. This is a this is an absolutely fantastic frontal shot of La Feel from Banner of the Stars. It's one hundred and forty dollars, and I'd say that the image of her fa- it can, the cell has her entire face in, 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 within the wet acetate framing of the image. And it takes up about 80% of the total space on the cell. Um, you don't often find cells of a character's like face, like almost in like a portrait shot like this, where it's taking up nearly the entire anime cell. I have one at, at, at my home in West Virginia of Onizuka screaming, and it takes up almost it takes up pretty much 100% of the anime cell. But because GTO is not that all that. The art isn't super great in GTO, and it's there's a lot of anime cells available for it. That cell isn't worth anything, really. This cell 
is about 80% of the of the of the frame of the of the wet acetate and it's uh it's 140 bucks. So it's it's a it's pretty pricey, but it would look so fantastic if you purchased it and put it in like a nice frame and hung it up in like your rec room or something. I always I always go back to anime as art. It's it's an original piece of art, quite literally. Yeah, okay, there's 60 other cells for that one minute or 30 seconds or 20 seconds, however many of animation, but there's only one of that exact cell in the entire universe. So you're purchasing art and art is expensive. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have a couple other cells that are, I have, I have an Ava cell that's probably, it's probably worth about like $500 or so. I mean, yeah. wow. It's a pro, it's a promo cell. And I've talked about that before and I should probably get a, take a picture of it and show that on the podcast sometime. You know who probably has the most expensive cells out of anyone in the world? Who? Hayao Miyazaki. You know, quick side tangent story before I move on. I promise it'll be quick. Um, Back when I was a teenager, I used to buy bulk anime cells, and I would identify them individually and sell them out piecemeal. So I'd buy like 100 cells for like 100 bucks, and then I'd sell them for like 5 bucks each, you know, piecemeal to people that wanted to sell from a a certain show. And I had had received so many anime cells from a show that I found out was called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, (laughs) which at the time I had no idea what that was because this was like 15 years ago. And I, uh, I had one guy that would buy every single JoJo cell that I received, no matter what, no matter what quality it was. And at the time, I was like, "What the hell is JoJo?" But now I'm like, "Cool, you know, I saw I sold a bunch of JoJo cells." Wish um, I kept one. Anyway, the next slide I'm gonna posting to the chat is something that I'm sure that Cram could use um, immediately in his lifestyle, and um, and myself as well. And that is an eighteen dollar bottle of. Uh, of uh, Dragon Ball Z hair wax. I was going to say, <laughs> what are you going to use this for? I almost put this on my list. Like, wait, wait. I feel like I should be the one who gets this because I could try to go Vegeta Saiyan with my hair. Super Saiyan Jiaki. So the, the, the item listing says, Ever wonder how the Super Saiyan warriors get their hair to stand up in their cool spiky fashion? The secret lies within these Dragon Balls of hair wax. A specialty, especially textured hair product that that produces a firmer hold than your typical hair gel or hairspray. It's a much easier and reliable method of spraying of hair styling with long-lasting results. You know, jokes aside, I bet you this is really good for some cosplay out there. I mean, it looks yeah. it, it comes inside of a, of, a, of like a of like a of a case that lo- looks like a Dragon Ball. So I don't know do why know? they made it the five star ball though. I feel yeah, like that they is random. Four. Normally, it's the four star ball. Yeah, because right? that's Goku's. Um, this next item on my list, I actually put on here, and I am going to give it to Cram as a, as a, as a Christmas present. What? <laughs> it's um, it's it's newly released. Actually, not yet released yet. Um, it, this is from JBox.com, and it's uh, it's actually still in the pre-order phase. And they are mouse pads. They are Opi oh, mouse no. pads of of Satsuki, Kiryuin, and uh, and um, that other girl from from Kill a Kill. These are $62. Yoko Matoi. So for $62, you can have uh, booby mouse pads of your favorite Kill la Kill characters. So you can Why rest your hand. $62. So you can rest your hand gently in their breasts while you operate your mouse. Wow. It's fantastic. Yep. Hobby Japan just goes to show that they totally missed the point of that show. I think it's perfect just for you, Cram. They do that with every show ever yeah but especially with kill a kill that's that's such like an anti-objectification kind of sex positive show 
Man, way to miss the point. Good it's, grief. Well, it, 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 it gets worse, Graham, because the the cell of of, uh, of Yuko, if you're looking at it, she actually looks pretty cute in the picture. Like, she doesn't look like you would... She doesn't look like she does in the anime at all. She's, like, kind of moe-looking where she's blushing. She looks super cute. She's got, like, a sexy pose. But then the, but the one that would really offend you is the Satsuki... Uh, is the Satsuki mouse pad because she's still doing the same pose with her arms above her head but I think she looks like very scared and maybe she's even crying on the mouse pad she looks like her mom's coming for her it looks, it looks like she's about uh, to be a victim of a sexual assault on the mouse pad and um, I knew that would I would give you the I would give you the Yuko mouse pad because I knew that would make you less angry so <laughs> but I couldn't resist and, He's um, giving me bad feelings. <laughs> so the last item I had, I had thirty dollars left, and I overspend a little bit. But this last item I'm posting to the chat is um, is a Puzzle Dragons related item, which, by the way, um, recently surpassed ten million downloads. I want uh, a lot iOS. of the Puzzle Dragons merchandise. This, a lot of it. They there is a website called Pazudoraya, uh, P A Z U D O R A Y A dot com. And on this website, it's the official dra- it's the official Puzzle Dragons store. And on this website, they have all kinds of cool merchandise, including these very large um, Puzzle Dragon figures of some of the five-star level dragons of each of the elemental colors. And the one that I posted the picture of is the Meteor Dragon. And they're only $43 a piece, and they're, like, they're really large. I mean, these things are probably, like, six, six to seven inches wide, uh, maybe like five or six inches tall. I mean, they're pretty big. And the detail is really stunning on these, and they have all kinds of different figures that you can pick from if you like Puzzle Dragons. Um, I would have I would have guessed that this figure was about $100 from looking at it, but it's only $43. Bucks. It, it does look very, very nice. They have... Uh, they have the they have the the red, the green, the white, the black, and the blue dragons. They have all of them on the website. So, wow, it's pretty cool. So, um, that concludes my shopping spree, short and sweet. I uh, I, I do not regret dumping half of my money into that anime sale at all. I'm actually tempted to buy that myself. Maybe I will. Who knows? Is it my turn? It sure is, Chiaki. Yay! So for my shopping spree. I don't have any logical approach to this. I just want, I want that as any good shopping spree should be. I spent, overspent by just a little. I spent $308.25. So just a little over, not too much. And you can take away my first item if you want to get me under. The first item that I selected was an Attack on Titan Survey Survey Corps scrunchie. It's a hair tie which you can never have too many of and it has the wings of freedom on it and yeah it says like survey corpse and stuff on it but it's really small and no one would see it in your hair i'm a really big fan of things like this where you can have them and when you wear them they can either people won't notice that they're anime and so I really enjoy this scrunchie because it can just be that little thing that you're wearing and maybe you're at the gym or something and no one will probably notice it. But if they do, that's fun. An Attack on Titan scrunchie? Yeah. You're such a girl. You're a girl. Um, no, actually, I'm not. <laughs> that is a fact, actually. My next item is off of eBay. And it's only particularly off eBay because that's where I found it. But it is a... Princess of Crystal hat from Muaro Penguin Drum. Oh, I forgot to mention the scrunchie is $10.59. 
Okay. So well, we have a long way to go before you get to the 300. <laughs> the Moira Penguin Drum Chris- Princess of Crystal hat is $19.88. And again, this is the kind of thing, obviously this is more overt anime, but this is the kind of thing that if I'm walking around at a convention and I'm on one of my off days where I don't feel like cosplaying that day and I just want to throw something on that's, you know, anime related, that would be something that I would love to have to throw on because it's really quirky and fun. And because then it could also double for a cosplay later on because I've been playing with the idea of cosplaying the Princess of Crystal forever. So that is definitely on my list. So I'm at like 30 bucks now. Woohoo. You're getting there slowly. I'm getting there. It's okay because my next one's a little bit more expensive. My next item is a music box but it's not just any music box it's a revolutionary girl utena music box and i don't know what song it plays i didn't look that closely i don't really care what song it plays i'll take any of the songs i'll take rimbu revolution i'll take any of them but on the top it has silhouettes and it says utena and then when you open it up it has a place that you can put things inside and it has a picture on the inside and I love music boxes. I'm just going to confess that I really love music boxes and I love Utena. So both of these should be in my life for that reason. And the music box retails for $37.80. That's not bad. So now I'm at $60. $37 bucks is not bad for a music box. No, it's not. And it, it, it looks fairly nice. I don't know how nice it actually is, but it looks fairly nice. The okay, next so one I have next? is a little bit more expensive. It's $45.99. Well, you're really getting up there. And it is a Survey Corps hoodie. It's a green hoodie. Oh, is this one of the green ones that we saw those people at the mall wearing? It's a little bit different. The sleeves of this one are tailored so that it looks a lot more like the capes that they wear. It's not like sleeves that fit your arm, but they're big, like, think like bat wing sleeves. And they look really cool. And I want them. I want them a lot. It looks like it looks like the kind of hoodie that like an assassin or like an archer would wear. Right? Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. But again, it has the big wings of freedom on the back and then it has a little logo of the wings of freedom on the front. So I like it that it doesn't say anything on it that's specifically anime so it can just be logos and then it zips up the front which i also love because it's that you know if you get too hot you can open up the hoodie it has pockets in the front and i'm a huge fan of pockets and it has a hood so i just feel like but could you wear it in public is this the kind of thing that you could wear like out well, well that's my point like i think if you're sl- if you're having like a slum in it day and you'd be wearing a hoodie anyway you could totally wear this because there's nothing that says that graphic isn't just a random graphic there's no the, sle- no the sleeves are the only tip off though. Well, I don't even think I don't even think it's, that it's 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 not quite as bad as wearing the metal plates on your head if, for Naruto fans. <laughs> I I don't even think the sleeves are that bad because I've seen that style of of sleeve in in regular clothing and fashion and things like that. But I really like that hoodie. I think it should be in my life to wear to bed in the winter time. So. The next one is one that I found that also needs to be in my life. It's $68.99. Oh, You're really uh, pounding this money quick. I know. Just, man, man, wow, this next item you've got is $130. Yep. I wonder what it is. So this item, the 
almost seventy dollar one. We'll just say seventy. Oh, this is a, this is a much better gift gift for cram than the boob than, than the boob mouse pad. This is a fantastic thing. It is a nightlight that is oh. Totoro, and it's motion censored. So when you walk by, it lights up, and Totoro dances with the oh thing that God. it's holding. Oh God! Cram's gonna explode. He's holding. Oh Jesus! He's holding a leaf thing over his head, almost like you know rain scene, and and it dances and lights up. I mean, could you imagine putting it in like the bathroom and you go to the bathroom at night or something, and it just or when you come home, putting it in your Genkon, and then you you come in and Totoro is dancing and has a light on for you. I like it in the bathroom. I need Totoro cheering me on when I'm you go ahead and poop cram (laughs) but i really i really again think that that needs to be something that i have in my life my last one is off of jlist.com and this is almost as expensive as the anime cell which by the way i'm thinking about making a best offer on best best offer on (laughs) i'm gonna uh (laughs) <laughs> By the time this podcast is over, I might own a $140 book banner in the Stars anime, so stay the, tuned. By the time this podcast is over, we might all have bought some of these things on our list. The I last thing life. the last thing I won't tell if you don't. The last thing on my <laughs> list is a figure by Altair for those of you who are into the PVC figure universe and know who makes them. And Here's what I thought to myself. I thought, I have a lot of figures now. And I have a lot of figures of sexy ladies. And I don't have a problem with that. But I'm a girl. And while I can appreciate the female form and go, damn, that is a sexy woman. I wanted a sexy man. Oh, my gosh. what better anime to do that with than free? What is wrong with you? (laughs) The the gods of taking off shirts anime he even has a six-pack of course do he know? does and those little indents on his hips yeah those so this figure is 125 us dollars a very reasonable 125 it's <laughs> it's a one-eighth figure of a haruka nanase from free i've never seen this anime even i just think it's a good looking figure you've never even seen the anime and yet you're willing to drop 125 dollars on on abs and hip lines (laughs) this guy has like a 14 pack (laughs) they invented they invented abdominal muscles just for this figure it's patented patent pending oh come on you guys have your figure with boobs that would break a girl in half whoa whoa i don't have i don't own any such figures in fact those figures would 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 deem you worthy of being sent to anime pvc hell have you not have you not heard the sermons? I haven't heard some, the sermons. I've got some big boobed figures, but not like I don't own them because they have big boobs. Ch- Chiaki, <laughs> what is wrong with you? First, you become the Moe Archangel, and now you're buying sexualized PVC figures. All PVC figures are sexualized. Your soul is filthy. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna post it in the forums on my thread of sexy men, and. All my ladies of the AA podcast can enjoy it because that one was for you. So, okay. So, does anybody have any? Uh, I think last we should comments? all pick one thing. If we're gonna buy one thing right at this second, get out the credit card. What is it gonna be on your list? All right. So, all right. So, so, so that's not a bad idea. So, so you can pick from your own list or from other people's lists as well. So, why don't you start, Graham? What would you? Uh, 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I have the website. I have a, a browser tab open for the Big Eyes Small Mouth 3rd Edition, and I'm just about to buy it. <laughs> about to buy the PDF version. It's a toss-up for me between the Utena Music Box and the Survey Core hoodie. Maybe I'll put off the hoodie until it's winter, and maybe it'll go down in price as Titan kind of chills out. Um, for me, it's pretty easy. I mean, c- considering I'm on eBay and I have the uh, the the page open that lets me make a a slightly cheaper offer on that anime sale to that guy, I think that I'm. Uh, it wouldn't be the most expensive anime sale that I purchased on eBay. So uh, let's just put, let's just put it like that. <laughs> Huzzah for fiscal irresponsibility, everyone. There's actually a number of, van- of 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 Banner of the Stars anime sales on eBay, but there aren't any of them that look that they give you that great of a shot of uh, of Lafiel's face. So. But right. you know what I would like to say? Across all of our lists, there are at least five or six, seven, eight things that you could get with the $20 we give away every month for trivia. So there you go. if you really like things on this list, things that you could get with that are the Dragon Ball Z hair wax, my survey course scrunchie, the Princess of Crystal hat, the... Brief history of manga that Cram talked about, the Moe Kana Moe Kanji cards, and the Nature Valley Crunchy Granola Bar Oats and Honey 96 bars is $2 over, and then the Understanding Comics. So we could give you know, You know, actually, the, the, um, the big eye small mouth that I'm looking at, the, the hardback is fifty nine ninety nine, and that's what I listed before. But if you just want the PDF, it's nineteen ninety nine. It's exactly 20 bucks. Well, see, so. there you go. You could get that too. So... We are making your own shopping spree happen every month on this podcast. So if you're listening for the first time, that trivia thing we did at the beginning, we do that because we give free things away. So yeah, enjoy it. All right, well, it's time to take our second anime news break, but I'm going to leave you with another poll question, okay? So you knew that I would. The, the poll question is, if you had $300, what, would, what anime stuff would you buy? And your options are multiple anime video games, and uh, expensive figures, a bunch of DVDs, a bunch of manga, or uh, blow-up dolls and other assorted naughtiness. So, All right. So, very limited selection, but do your best. After the news break, when we come back, we're going to have a group discussion on the anime Wake Up Girls, which aired in... Winter of 2014, so we're going to get back to that and start covering the animes from prior seasons, and uh, we'll see you after the news break. you anime addicts this is chiaki and this is your anime news break first up for those of you who are eagerly awaiting the premiere of sailor moon the official website for the 20th anniversary of the sailor moon franchise has announced that there will be an advanced premiere screening event for the pretty guardian sailor moon crystal anime series the women's fashion magazine Vivi is collaborating on the june 30th event to celebrate usagi the heroine of the franchise's birthday the quote-unquote birthday party will feature Vivi models and secret guests. And there's one other thing for those of you who might be in Japan at the Zep Diver City Facility in Tokyo. If you're a man and you want to go, you better find a lady to attend with because male attendees are not allowed unless they are accompanied 
by a female. In other news, for those of you who are fans, Premium Bandai and Pull Up have joined forces to release a Sailor Moon as a wide-eyed, high-end fashion doll. It's a far cry from Irwin Dolls of Old. The pull-up version is slated for release in Japan in July. Pre-orders are open now for those of you who are fans of dolls of this style for 17,280 yen, which is about 175 US dollars. Those of you loyal Sailor Moon fans out there, I'm sure no price is too much. But if you're looking for something a little bit cheaper to pad your anime merchandise collection, there is a Takara Tommy's Talking Posters released for Haikyuu. Sho Hinata is featured in a poster that says 10 different phrases when you press a button on the top bar of the poster. If the optimism of Hinata is not quite your thing, Tobio Kageyama also has his own poster. You can get each poster for 2,376 yen or about 25 US dollars. In other news, it was on Cram's list of shame, which he recently took it off. The British anime distributor Anime Limited has recently revealed that it has licensed the Royal Space Force The Wings of Hanamise. It's an anime film that's highly critically acclaimed. Bandai Vigil USA had previously released the film on HD DVD and Blu-ray in North America back in 2007. The announcement has noted that it, the film will be made available for the first time in the UK in high definition with a collector's edition and a regular edition in combo packs coming this November. Pre-orders for those of you who have to have it will go live in June. In other news, for those of you who have been collecting the Blu-ray Studio Ghibli DVDs or have been waiting for the box set, there's been a recent announcement. With Asuka, Shigeki Miyazaki of the musical duo Charge and Asuka was recently arrested for drug possession. Walt Disney Studio Japan is delaying its Miyazaki Hayao Kantoku Shakushin Shu, or the collected work of Hayao Miyazaki Blu-ray DVD boxes from June 18th to July 2nd to remove On Your Mark. On Your Mark will be removed from all future Disney release box sets due to the drug charges. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with her sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. And we're back with the 228th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. It's time for our review section of the show. And we're going to be talking about a show called Wake Up Girls, which premiered in the winter 2014 anime season. I think I'm really excited to discuss this show because this was one of our kind of 
we really thought this was going to be a special show and the impression was good and the pv made us hopeful and i'm going to be interested to see what you boys think about it well if you'll recall this was my lock for the season during that season when, mm-hmm. when, when, when we made our picks i said that this show was going to be guaranteed to be a good show so we'll find out if it, we'll find out if it's good or not um in just a minute so shall we start off with with the clerical junk sure let's yeah, do clerical sure. junk so the director of the show is Yutaka Yamamoto, and um, he's mm, he's 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 been around in the anime community in the anime community for a while, but he hasn't done a, a huge amount of directing. He has some credits. Um, probably probably most well known is that he's the director of a portion of Lucky Star, hmm. which um, is at least a pretty famous anime in America. People. I don't know about Japan, but people in America go apeshit over Lucky Star. Um, He did. He's done a couple other things. He did Kanagi and Fractale, and you watched Senyu, didn't you? Yes, I did. It was very bad. Was it really? (laughs) It was like a three. It was one of those three minute like like gag comedy anime shows. Um, He did. uh, He's he also did Fractale, which we also covered on the podcast, but um, we uh, didn't really. Fractale was so-so. It was very, very average. So, I mean, he's done things, but he hasn't, doesn't, at least in my opinion, he hasn't really had a hit yet that for me was like a great title. But, um... Speaking does, of his, hit, his credits do look a little hit or miss to me. Speaking of hits, though, what was uh, hitting for our poll for what people wanted to spend Good money point. on? Good point. Thank you, oh, Chiaki. Nice. Thank you for saving me there. Um, the poll result with, with almost 40% of the vote, a bunch of DVDs. Look at you guys buying anime legally like we tell you to. And uh, and 26% said expensive figures, which I've come around on since being in Japan. Some of those (laughs) figures are pretty cool. And um, and, and a very naughty 9% of you said blow-up dolls and other assorted naughtiness. Well. I knew there was, you guys were out there. At least they're honest. Okay, so getting back to the uh, to the to Wake Up Girls, the anime an animation production is done by Ordet and Tatsunoko Production. Most people have heard of Tatsunoko. Um, do any of you are any of you familiar with Ordet? They haven't done a whole lot. They, they they usually just do co-pros and help other studios out, like in this case. So I imagine the brunt of the work went to Tatsunoko and and Ordet just kind of gave them backup. Um, I know they did that for Black Rock Shooter and Senyu. Yep. But um, they've been around since like 2007, but they've only seemed to be active since like 2012 or so, which is kind of interesting. The only other show that they have a animation production credit for is um, Miyakawa K no Kufuku. Yeah, I watched that. I haven't seen that. Is that was that any good? It was a Lucky Star spinoff, and no, it's awful. <laughs> okay, well that's that then. Um. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have any other initial thoughts about the uh, the staffing or uh, any of the people behind? It's well, it's written by Toko Machida, who did uh, who wrote Galilei Donna Hamatora, which we reviewed kind of recently, and she's also the writer on uh, Chaika the Coffin Princess, which is airing right now. Uh, which is a show that people seem to like quite a lot. It's uh, one yeah, of the, it's one of the front runners in our uh, in our spring 2014 poll. 
So, and uh, looks like the music is by Satoru Kosaki, who did the music for the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, uh, Lucky Star, and it looks like all of the Monogatari series. Wow! And I think I think that that series is known for having really good music. Am I wrong? That series is known for having generally pretty good everything. Okay. So, um, yeah. If you want to, why don't we start out by talking about the music? It is a music yeah. show. It is. It is a music show. Um. I, I think that there's a really clear line for me between the score of the show, like the, 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 you know, the background music and then the actual music that is a part of, you know, the, the story of the show, uh, if you will. Uh, I think the score for me, the score was, you know, light and poppy and not overly remarkable, but I think it at times it kind of bordered on chintzy and cheap sounding. I don't know if you guys got that. I don't really remember anything about the score Again, score being not the pop songs that the anime characters performed, but the background music during the other scenes. I don't really remember anything Actually, about it. Actually, I can't really so. either remember too much of the music. Um, as far as the as far as the actual songs that that they perform in the show, I feel like are obviously the most memorable and make up a a significant portion of the music that's in the anime. You know what I was actually yeah. a little bit disappointed about though, and and maybe I'm being too critical, but in this show they had what three pop songs about three There's i think like yeah. there, uh i think there it's it's closer to five if you count the stuff from the i1 club how much did well, I one perform though? I feel like they didn't perform. There's first that rate much. smile, which is one of the songs. Right. Then there's uh there's the opening song for the anime Seven Girls War and then there's uh there's the Tachiyagare, first, which is another song. There's the first perform. song that they started with. That's First Rate Smile, I think, isn't it? No, no, because the, the guy gets brought in, and he gives oh. them First Rate Smile. Well, I can't remember there's a song all the that they the songs, with. but um, there's at least I four of them. They get at least two songs from that uh, songwriting duo, and then mm-hmm. there are at least two songs from the, the guy from uh, what's, his, what's His Face. Yeah, right. The, the uh, hard-ass trainer guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a, there's at least four in the show. I think we're at a point where we should cover the plot well, generally. Well, just, yeah. just, just, just real quick, if you, if you look at other if you look at other anime that have been about like pop stars or musicians that have come out throughout the years, I think about I already mentioned Full Moon Osagashite as being a very sad anime, but it also was about a pop singer, and she had maybe about five songs, um, and then there was there's Beck, which had about. Four or five. I think four or five is pretty much the standard number that you'll have. Maybe I, I'm just I'm just blurring them together a bit. I, I I don't think these songs in this anime were quite as good as Full Moon Osagashi Day, but maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking of like Macross when you have the Galactic Songstresses. But even then, I guess there's only like four or five songs. All right, so why don't we get to the plot? Which one of you guys wants to tackle the? the oh, I'll, I'll tackle it. So you have a group of girls who are wake-up girls, and they've been brought together by this small entertainment company called Green Leaves Entertainment in Sendai. And basically, the manager, the president of this small company, wanted to make an idol group. Is kind of... It sounds very on a whim, and I think that's what it's supposed to be, because the president of this entertainment company is very... Free form, rough around the edges. Rough around the edges. Uh, there's there's a number of ways to describe her, but professional and business oriented is not a way that I would describe her. And so they 
put together this group. They hold auditions and they put together a group and each of the girls in the group kind of has the own, their own thing that they're bringing to the group. And for example, one of them is a technically good musician. She can play the piano and she understands music and she's was looking at going to a music like conservatory. And then there's another girl who actually was a part of this idol club called I one club. Yeah, That girl, that girl's name is Mayu. Mayu. And the I one club is basically the AKB 48 of this world. I think that's safe yeah, to say. I think that, that they're, that I think that's, that's where they're at. That's what they're going for. Is that's what that's yeah. supposed to be. And so I one club is this really big idol group in Tokyo. And of course they're untouchable and they have dozens of girls and they're opening up theaters all across Japan and everyone's crazy about them. And so wake up girls is a story of these seven girls who start off on this idol project and it follows their story from, just after the inception, like basically just after they all get put together and they do their first concert in a park with like no one watching pretty much to going on local TV stations and local radio and trying to promote themselves and getting their first fans and performing in their first live and realizing they suck and getting attention from other people and getting better. And it's generally just the story of what it takes to be an idol in the idol industry with a focus on how these girls are handling it. Now, Ice Demon 1946 in the chat asked us if, it, if this is just another idol anime. And I would say that, yes, it is an anime about idols, but I think that it takes a very different approach than a lot of the other idol shows that you probably have seen. I feel like a lot of the other idol shows that are out there are very fun and fanciful and let's be pop stars or just happy-go-lucky all the time. And I think Wake Up Girls is a lot more... It's not very happy. I mean, there's not a tremendous amount of happy stuff happening in Wake Up Girls. I mean, it's obvious that they're trying to do some kind of like an analysis of what the idol industry is and what it's truly like. And... More, to, more often than not, the types of things that these girls encounter in the anime are hardship or rejection from fans or failure, and it's really not a whole... It's not this, like, fluffy, happy-go-lucky show that you might think it is. Uh, I mean, they, they, time and time again, they, keep, they continue to run into roadblocks and... Um, impediments that you're trying to keep them from being successful. And all of those were very real. I talked about in the impression forever ago in episode two or three, they have the scene where they get a bad management and they're wearing bikinis and they're like, we don't want to be an idol if this is what being an idol is. But then it's kind of that thing where idols do that. You know, they do pose in bikinis or scantily clad. Later on, they did things that I really appreciated, like when they were training and they ha they realized that singing and performing and dancing is actually work and if you want to do well at it you have to kind of train for it and there was one scene I remember where they're running and and one of them says if we can't run and sing for five minutes we're not going to be able to do this performance basically and so it's things like that that I really appreciate about the show because it really feels like they made a sincere attempt at sincerity in the subject matter they were tackling. I mean, that, that, for me, that's part of the show that is both laudable and uh, easy to criticize for me because I think it is like a realistic take on the hardships of, of you know, those participating in the idol industry. And it takes it is an underdog story and it takes its underdog story very seriously. But I don't think it's nearly the unflinching raw you know, take on the idol industry that it that it should be or that it wants to be. I, I 
I think it misses a lot of opportunities to go into the many facets of celebrity and kind of this uh, this uh, concept of celebrity and and you know specifying it and making it specific to the idol industry in Japan. Um, I mean, I can I can get into more of you know my nitpicks on that later, but uh, well, I, bas- I would- basically I think it's it's. It deserves praise for trying to do that, but it also needs to be noted that it's not very raw. Like it is, it's not as realistic as it probably should be. And I agree with that. I think the anime probably sacrificed a little bit of that to focus on the girls because I definitely feel like there are arcs in the series where each of the girls or not each of them, but the majority of them get kind of their own focus for an episode or two. I think maybe five of the seven, maybe I'm, I don't think that all the girls get a heavy get a bunch of focus, but at least yeah. five of them get significant. Not all of them, time. but m- most of them do. More yeah. than half of them do. It does a nice and job think, with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it does. It is to the show's benefit that every that almost every main character gets that kind of spotlight episode episode to flesh out their individual motivations and you know their backstories and whatnot. Uh, and I don't think there are any characters that feel incomplete by the or any main characters that is that feel incomplete by the time the show wraps up. And I think that's a uh, that's a uh, really praiseworthy, uh, actually, right. uh, especially for a show that's only twelve episodes. But you know, one of the issues that I have is that, like, when they go into uh, these characters' motivations and kind of their individual personalities and stuff like that, one of the characters has um, this thing. She loves to eat. I, I forget her name, but one of the characters really, really loves to eat food, and they're always commenting on about how much food that she can, you know, pack away and all this kind of stuff. And instead of doing something interesting with that, you know, for a show that's that's you know ostensibly about uh, maintaining this image of celebrity and becoming a celebrity and becoming a pop star and becoming this kind of you know social goddess, so to speak, um, they don't really play with the concept of eating disorders or body image issues or any of the stuff like that, which is you know such such a logical progression for like uh, that kind of what what ends up only being a moe kind of anime trope it's like oh the girl that really really loves to eat you know i think uh, they don't they don't do anything with it i think this anime and and i feel like we will come back to this as we continue to talk but i feel that this anime would have been so much stronger if it was extended to 24 and these first 12 were kept just as they are so you can really flesh out the like flesh out these characters and become attached to them and then the next 12 would almost be watching them be broken down and strung out by the industry so you start out with this girl who's happy-go-lucky and i like to eat a lot and then you watch her being pushed and pushed into the industry and all of a sudden she's starting to question that and question that because i feel like i feel like what you're saying cram i i agree with that but i almost feel like the girls and wake up girls are so they haven't made it yet in the industry that even still those pressures are still kind of hanging out on the edge of their their thoughts and their worlds and they're not as sincere yet well um, sure my thought with cram's comment is that like i mean i understand that there's hardship in being a being you know truly famous but they never really achieve that in throughout the course of this anime i mean they don't and that could be something that they leave for a future series but like i think for that character specifically you know it's kind of it is a trope it is a cliche at this point to have a cute little girl that loves to eat a lot of cake and she never gets any fatter or anything like that it's just you know we even talked about it recently on or you guys talked about it on the uh, deconstruction uh, uh discussion topic 
um, that you had about, you know, what would happen in a deconstruction of, of anime where girls sit around and eat cake all day that, you know, stuff their face with cake. Well, they'd get diabetes and they'd lose their legs and whatnot, you know. But um, I think, I mean, and for a show that's so interested in like taking these, uh, taking this kind of story seriously and, and giving us a realistic portrayal of, you know, pushing yourself to become basically famous um a character that eats a lot of food i i assumed that they were going to discover that she was binging and purging like i honestly assumed that they were going to do that and when i when i realized that they weren't well, doing that i'm like oh she's just a moe character cram i want to i, I want to stop you and i want to ask you if, if maybe you're getting too hung up on the eating thing because i mean that character's arc i mean her eating and her arc, that arc of the story was pretty much resolved by like episode three so I, oh, I yeah. don't feel like it was a big part of the show. Sure. No, I mean, it, and it's not my only complaint, but that's that's kind of indicative of the missed opportunities that this show kind of just glazes over. And instead of making something out of it, they they basically turn it into a cliche. Or I had, allow it to be a cliche that it is. I had a moment like that toward the end of the show. And I don't know if the, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider this a spoiler, but maybe a light one. Where, Uh-oh, spoiler alert coming. Well, like I Maybe said, I, I don't I don't think it's really a big one even still. Toward the end of the show, one of the characters in the group, we see her start taking medication. Yes, she that's starts, another one. She starts taking medication and she's like, oh, I'm just nervous. It's okay. I'm just nervous. And, you know, the, the girl who's rooming with her is like, oh, are you okay? Are you sick? And she's like, no, no, I'm just nervous. And they don't really talk about it. And I exactly. really wanted to see that be something and it never was and that's that is that's that's another example that's on my list of of nitpicks with the show little problems that i have and and these missed opportunities you've got things like they're rabid fans they've got this core group of rabid fans that are never anything in the show but supportive and we never get to see kind of what is i mean it's not really unspoken because we hear about it in the in, in news from japan all the time but the dark side of idol fandom you know yeah. stalkers and things like that all we get are these guys that you know kind of they kind of look the part they're kind of the character designs are designed in such a way that you imagine they spend all day on you know knee channel and uh talk about idols but they're nothing but supportive they're good all around there's nothing wrong with them so to speak we don't get to see that raw unflinching dark side that the show seems to be interested in at least at the outset and then just kind of way hand waves away and they so. they touch on it i almost feel like a little in that the scenes the glimpses we get of i1 and we get it just at random cut points in the series and then through mayu's kind of flashbacks because mayu came from i1 that you can't have a boyfriend and the reason why you can't have a boyfriend is because you belong to your fans you don't belong to you you don't belong to a man. You don't belong to your family. You belong to your fans. And the scenes with the I-1 were some of the most powerful scenes. And I think that as a result, Mayu's problems with the industry were the most fleshed out in this respect because her basic problem with the industry and again, this could again voyage on small spoiler because it's a big mystery of why she left I1, but she becomes disenfranchised with the industry. I'll, I'll put it simply like yeah. that. And in being disenfranchised with the industry, she leaves I1. And it's kind of that question of why is she coming to, 
to to be in Wake Up Girls if she was already in the biggest idol group and gave it up. And I feel like her problems with the industry are the most reconciled out of all of the girls because she had a problem with the industry. She had a problem with how she and her friends and, and idols were treated. And she left and the effects of her leaving were flushed out, how, how people saw her were fleshed out because there were all those boards and all those comments from fans and things like that of like, why is she coming back? What does she think she's doing? How can she do this? And then it, it that felt sincere to me, but that was the only thing in the series with the regards to these are the problems in the idol industry and this is how we're tackling them or this is how our characters are approaching them. That was the only thing that felt really sincere. I, I, I want to... I want to sort of give this anime a pass on like some of the things that Cram's saying, and 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 I think that all the comments that you're making are valid, and there's certainly lots of different, you know, problems and difficulties with the idol industry that the show doesn't touch on at all. I mean, you said you mentioned stalkers and eating disorders and all this other stuff that that could pop up, but the show is only 12 episodes, and I feel like they can only do so much in the tw- in the 12 episodes that they're given and i feel like a lot of the sort of hardships and realities of the industry are sort of the i feel like they're they're taking the approach of the realities of and the, and the difficulties of actually being successful and they're not focusing so much on personal problems that can develop i mean i think that if if they had become famous and we had had like another 14 episodes of the anime, we would have had plenty of time for stalkers and drugs and, that's what and I'm eating saying. disorders. I wish it started out just as it is and then we had another 12 episodes with these characters to watch them kind of... They're, they're in that honeymoon phase for this series yeah. where, yeah, it's hard and yeah, it's tough, but we have our loyal fans and we have each other and we're really friends and we're going to make it. And then to have it just as it is, but then have those other 14 episodes where the show can really go into those things that it touched on. But I, I agree with you, Mitsuki. I don't want to make it sound like it was it was bad or it did something wrong. There's, it just leaves you I wanting th- I mean, a little I think bit that's- more. I, I do. I mean, I do agree that the show should have been longer if they wanted to kind of expound on these things. But one of the one of the issues that like I don't often criticize a show or criticize a piece of, you know, entertainment art for what it doesn't do. Like if, if I think that a show should do something specifically, I'm not going to say, oh, well, they didn't do this one thing that I wanted them to do. So I don't like it. But I think that in the case of Wake Up Girls, it's not that they're just not doing these things that I'm talking about. They're flat out ignoring them. And that's that's kind of the problem I have. And going back to how you uh, you said that one of the more relatable things about the show was uh, Mayu's disenfranchisement with the uh, I1 club and the idol industry. Uh and I think that that is that is very relatable, and I think it's one of the stronger aspects of the show. But I also I have some problems with how they how they kind of reduce uh, the I One Club to kind of this militaristic force. That's not. I mean, honestly, when I when I saw all of those scenes of the terrible CG models like doing yeah. the <laughs> the dance kata, because <laughs> yeah. they looked awful. When I saw them, what came to mind was the Cobra Kai from the Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> just just like this militaristic force that like we don't think we don't feel we always have gratitude you know they sing their mantra and all that kind of stuff and um i, I think it it's a little cookie cutter and and it's there's not a whole lot of depth to it and i think that you mentioned you know the total control of the idols lives by their management that's so common in in japan and in this industry and it's barely touched on i i remember 
one scene where one unnamed character says something about wanting a boyfriend and that's about as far as it goes and the rest of it is relegated to the i1 club manager toru just being kind of this cold calculating you know businessman you know who who has his eye on the prize kind of guy but i think that's my point Graham. is i don't think they're ignoring it i just don't think that in in the scope of the timeline for Wake Up Girls, I don't think these girls have had time to see that yet. Yeah, they didn't, I, even, I think they didn't even have they, they, they didn't even have time in the twelve episodes to do what they were trying to do to begin with. I mean, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think I I, I, I agree with that. I think um, I, I mean on the plus side of that, I think the pacing of the show is great because they've got to you know move their ass to get the story out. But um, I think that they've. It, I, it's just a, it's a case of missed opportunities for me. I wish this first series was longer. But here's here's something I do want to say because I feel like it sounds at this point. I think if someone's listening to this review, they're going to think that oh god, Wake Up Girls is getting a horrible score. No, 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 I, not at all. I, I and, like this show a and lot. That's, <laughs> and that's the thing I want to bring it back to is I feel like we're leading with the only things that we have to really complain about the show because I actually think the show was a very strong show. But, but, but Before we make that turn and head into like Happy Land, um, there was a comment from the chat. Icy Rose from the chat asked, they, or they said, I think that the biggest fault with Wake Up Girls is that it is a that it is marketing the real-life idol group um, and if you were going to attack the idol industry, it would be detrimental to advertising. Do you guys feel like Wake Up Girls is an advertisement for the idol industry? Because I don't mm. feel I don't feel like that. I think that there's enough negative sentiment in the show about idols that it's that it's not an advertisement for idols, and I don't really see what the what they're trying to sell. I don't think it demonizes the industry itself, though. It lays that it lays those indictments at the feet of specific characters in the show. I don't I don't think it's criticizing the industry as a whole. In fact, I think the show is pretty careful not to. Yeah. So, but now that you answered the question, do you feel like this is an advertisement for for Idol? Like, obviously, other shows like Idol Master and things like that are. Maybe a little it more. It doesn't reek of proselytization to me, though. Like it's not. It's not like, oh, isn't the the idol industry great? Um, I, I think it's. I actually, I do think the show is more nuanced than that. Um, despite some of the criticisms that I'm, I, I'm you know, yeah. I don't think it's an advertisement for the idol industry, but I do, to some extent, agree with what Icy Rose is saying in that if you're going to produce something that really could be seen as head-on attacking the industry. Or, or being really critical of the industry. First, that wouldn't be very Japanese at all to be overtly critical of anything. But if you're going to do that, you're kind of taking on a, a giant. And you got to really be ready to make that stand. And I yeah, just but, don't yeah, know. I don't know. Because this is like, we're, we're talking about creative license. And yeah. you can't, like, it's not like they're going to get sued. Their asses are going to get sued off because they made a comment about some you know, idol group that might be AKB48, you know. I, I see it as being kind of just a middle ground in general. I don't see it as an advertisement for the idol industry, but I also don't see them as as really committing to we're going to make a commentary on this industry. Okay, so let's make that let's make that turn, turn to happy stuff. Happy because, land? Can because we make that turn now? For, for example, despite the fact that there's three panty shots in the first episode during their opening performance, yeah, what this, was show, up with those? this show doesn't have panty shots in it except for oh, the... Well, they, they, explained, they explained that in the first episode. Like, it's, it's part of kind of 
them learning what it means to be an idol. It's that, oh, well, idols show their panties, right? So they yeah. do. But then, you know, I, I think that they they realize by like episode three, or f- I guess it's four maybe, mm-hmm. where they are taken to the health club spa thing yeah. and they have to wear the bikinis, that um, that that's, you don't have to do that to well, be an I, idol. I just wanted to make the comment for people that thought that maybe this was going to be a panty shot show. Not at all. Yeah. Except that during the at the in like in like the last episode of the show or episode eleven, they're doing like a a flashback moment of their uh, they they do like a ten second flashback of their opening performance when they're reminiscing and they happen to just use that one clip of their panties <laughs> during that flashback yeah. and I was like really you have like three minutes of footage from this flashback and you chose the shot with the panties in it like. Come on, of course. But it, but this is not a sh- this show is not about panty shots. This it's show not is like that is not fan servicey. It's not gratuitous. It's not. It's nothing that is overtly offensive, which is very refreshing. It whether it succeeds or not, it tries to, and and it's not like it's we're a show about idols, but really we're a show that's going to try to sell PVC PVC figures of barely legal girls in scantily clad garments. <laughs> Speaking of PVC figures, and this is unbelievable to me, the Gundam Build Fighters show has a, is getting a second season. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> How does that happen? But anyways, my point is that like a lot of shows I feel like will be will say, oh, you know, we're we're an action adventure show, but really all of our main characters are scantily clad and we're going to sell a ton of PVC figures. And this show I don't feel like is like that. It's It's very sincere and... And I appreciate how covered the characters are on a regular basis. Yeah. And and it They're does cu- have a feel-good factor to it. Whether you want to say that's insincere to the industry or not, from a viewer standpoint, it does. it is kind of feel-good. Also, the characters are cute in the show. They're cute characters because they're young idol girls. But they make them cute and likable in a realistic way. Like, if you had a bunch of young, like, between the ages of 13 and 16 Japanese girls, they're probably going to be cute, right? But they don't abuse it, and they don't come off as being, like, brainless moe blobs. Mm. That's not, like, they have they have emotions and thoughts and opinions and feelings and their own motivations, and they get to that in the show, and they flesh out these characters, and a lot of the characters feel a lot deeper than, you know, what other animes will give you. But they still manage to make them cute and idol esque, in the, and I think are, that that makes them feel realistic. They are totally cute and they are totally attractive. And I think another uh, another good thing about them is that they are easily identifiable without giving them like unnatural hair colors and things yes. that are, you know, the cheap workarounds for anime characters. Right. You know, uh, character design one hundred and one, if you will. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they go off model so often yeah. that it kind of defeats the purpose of having a show about cute girls. I mean, I feel like every third shot or something, you've got some junky, you know, key art that's just got their facial features all in the wrong places. And that's that brings me to another, the animation in the show. A, apart from a couple of the dance, a couple of the dance sequences is pretty junky. It's and pretty cheap. bad. It, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. And in fact, it he, reminded me of uh, Samurai Flamenco, actually, and like if, that level of. In fact, even the. Uh, even during the dance sequences, including at the end of the series, the animation looked pretty terrible. I mean, they were. I think the best. I think the best sequence is the first their first live show in the park. Yeah, there were some I think shots. That's the best bit of animation. There were some shots during that last dance 
dance skit at the end of the show where I was like, wow, they moved. I mean, there were some movements where they looked like they were like teleporting on on stage. They were moving so fast that they couldn't properly animate the shot. And it, I don't know, it came off looking pretty bad at times, but it didn't, it didn't bother me a great deal. I think it didn't bother me all too much because this show isn't, it's not like you have action sequences. It's not like they're whipping out swords and becoming ninjas. So yeah, it was janky, but I, I just kind of feel like for slice of life shows, it doesn't bother me very much when the, the biggest thing they have going on in this show is they dance. Otherwise they're walking and talking or sitting and talking or yeah, I mean doing something and talking. So I, I like the characters in the show. The girl character is very nice. I do too. Probably the weakest character in the show is the leader of the A of the I one group. She's a little one dimensional. Um, I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm ta- I'm referring to the evil like owner, the man oh. who sits there. And, yeah. Well, he's a little one dimensional too. I feel like. And I, I think I think everything about the I one club is a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, ironically enough, I thought that the. Whatever the whatever the heck the guy's name is who runs the I One Club, um, he looks a lot like King Hamdo from Now and Then, Here and There, and is similarly evil. I mean, maybe he's not psychotic like Hamdo, but clearly the bad guy. If there is to be if there is to be a bad guy in the show, it's that guy. I really had hopes for him because at one point the the producer, this producer man who's supposed to be awesome, is talking with him, and and he made a comment two or three times about. You know, you started this industry because you loved idols, or do you remember when you were doing those gorilla concerts and trying to get idols to be a thing? And I wanted something more with him, and they didn't give it. But I think that the main cast that it centers around, the Wake Up Girls cast, is fantastic. And I also think it's fantastic because I didn't want to punch any of those girls in the face. Which for a seven for a seven girl cast in anime to not have one of them where you're just like, she can just die now is their manager to the president of green leaves the woman the chain smoking woman is awesome (laughs) i love her she's amazing talk about strong female character you know yeah right and and (laughs) And i love their manager too that he's kind of the mousy kind of guy um who always means well and he's i mean he's out to protect those girls you know with what he can like he's not very good at it but you know very likable characters all around, I think. I think that they did a fantastic job. I'm glad you mentioned with the president of the Greenleaves Entertainment Company because she she was so, as you said, strong female character. But it was surprising for anime because I feel like it's really hard to get that strong female character who's just a strong presence without having her be like kind of bitchy or, you know, chain smoking. And yes, yeah, you know, she smoked, but like, chain smoking you know crazy psycho girl psycho woman so i think they did her really well do you guys remember what the name of the i1 president's name was oh uh, the i1 president is Todu something okay. Todu, i forget um I-, I wanted to ask you guys something so the, the the central conflict of the show is very obviously just their kind of uh working at becoming idols like just that core conceit right there mm-hmm. is the the conflict of the show and then it, it it gets a little bit more focused when they enter the idol festival that's brought up like at the end of episode seven i think but they introduce this in this whole other thing with where the i1 club suddenly sees wake up girls as a potential rival and to me this is just me i'm gonna rant just a little bit go ahead you can rant but i 
I want to see what you guys think about this, but I think the entire concept of rivaling idol groups feels really contrived and unrealistic in a show that's otherwise, you know, verisimilitudinous, I guess, for lack of a better word, like very realistic, I guess. Um, I think there's, you know, there's bad blood between Mayu and Shiho, which is the I1 center and Toru, uh, which is I one's president and manager. And I think that that bad blood is understandable in personal conflicts. But when Toru kind of makes it the he makes crushing the wake up girls a primary goal for I one, like so much so that he talks about it to the big like training group where he's constantly like firing girls for not stepping right or whatever. But at the same time, he. He later has a conversation, though, where he says it's not necessarily about just crushing them, but the fact that people get bored if there's only one person at the top and there's no chance of anyone. It, it struck me as a business thing. Like, I'm going to pick these girls and they're going to be the ones that I'm going to let rise up just enough that we can play with this. We can play with this. You know, we have a rival and who's going to win and... You know, we but but keep I one just one more ring above them on the ladder, because that's why he sends his producer guy to go out and and make songs for Wake Up Girls is because he's he wants to to, he's chosen them for whatever reason to be kind of that marketable idol. He doesn't actually send him, him, though. The guy goes of his own volition, and then later on in that meeting, they're like, oh, so I, I see that you've been working with Wake Up Girls, too, and the, you know, the, um, the songwriter guy is kind of aloof about it, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I do what I do, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a leaf in the wind, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I don't, um, I don't know. I got a different impression of that meeting. See, my- there were, and there were a couple, though. There were a couple... But I, I mean, I, I got I got the I, I understood that their relationship was purely professional in that he understood that the songwriter was free to kind of do what he wanted to do mm-hmm. as long as he was still faithful to I one uh, in some regard. And that's another that's a whole other legal thing that I just I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't know why it works out like that unless he's like an amazing songwriter that can do whatever the hell he wants. But like, I mean, there, there are other things with the rivalry that are strange to me. Like when Shiho, the I one center, she's constantly saying, I won't lose. Mm-hmm. And this becomes especially silly to me when she's watching Wake Up Girls performance in an arena that's named after the I one club. Yeah. She's she's watching this little upstart perform in an arena named after the group that she sings for saying, I won't lose to these people. I mean, she's already won. Like, there's no losing. Well, That's it. She- in, my, in my opinion, if there is a reason why that rivalry exists, it's because I feel like her competition with Mayu in the I1 Club was sort of disrupted by the scandal or whatever happened that drove Mayu to quit. And I feel like she still has some, like, competitiveness with Mayu. Like, maybe it's an unresolved, you know, rivalry that, you know, that used to exist. It comes out that Mayu was fired, though. She was yeah. fired from the I one club. She didn't just quit. She she was told to leave forcibly. And But I'm sure that wasn't Sheho's, you know, decision. That was someone else's decision. No, it was it was the president's decision. It was Toda's decision, which yeah. is another thing that just baffles me because as a businessman, why would he fire his ostensibly second most popular idol when she couldn't outsell his most popular idol? That's baffling to me. Yeah, Unless he's just stupid. stubborn. Like I, I mean 
unfortunately for the show, he's framed as cold and calculating and not passionate and hot-headed. So when he fires Mayu, it's, you know, it's one of the driving forces behind the conflict in the show, but it's the least pragmatic thing that he could do and therefore the least believable thing that he could do for his character as such a cold and calculating business. All right, let me present it to you like this, though. Could he be looking at it in the sense of if I can't control this girl... I don't want her. And that's his cold and calculating approach is that he's looking at her and he's saying, she's not playing by my rules. So unless she's going to make me a ton of money, she's out. Yeah, I guess I just didn't see her breaking any of his rules though. Like, like well, she, I mean, she, 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 she freaked she out in his ex- office. She expressed distaste for the way he managed things and the way that he, he, you know, kind of tried to control the lives of his, his idols. But I didn't see her doing anything specifically that was like that would be grounds for him to fire her, especially if she was, you know, his second most popular idol. I still think my impression of him is that he's trying to run this group with absolute power and it's just super militant in that sense of questioning is one of the highest, you know, crimes for this group because you don't question you and especially not someone who who's like him who's the authority anyway i think that the rivalry between the two groups is silly i mean i think that i mean maybe in real life there exists some rivalries between groups like akb and nmb and ske and all the these all their like massive girl groups that probably are aware of each other's presence and they each have carved out their own portion of the market but in this anime you have like basically a group which was proven to be nothing on in like episode six where they had their concerts at the same night and like three people showed up for Wake Up Girls and the and the AI one concert was like, you know, packed. I mean, the entire thought of having the uh, the these quote unquote rivalries in the show is silly because they, they time and time again prove that the rivalry shouldn't even exist. Um, right. But you know, we've been talking about this anime for almost forty minutes. Oh man, really? And um, do we have any? final important comments that we haven't touched on regarding the show before we sort of throw our scores out there and, and be done with it. You, you know, I, I made a comment about the pacing. I think the pacing is really tight. I think the ending is really good. It's Rocky-esque. It's very appropriate for oh, yeah, I forgot about that. the kind of, um, um, you know, the, the underdog story that it is. Um, but it is a very, it's a rocky ending and, you know, spoilers for it's terrible. Rules. It's bad. Yes. Um, in fact, th- thank you very much because I wanted to make a comment about that. This show has no ending. I, I was watching it last night and I was sitting there and I said out loud, I said, you know, because at the end they have a word in Japanese that is the last thing they show in the anime. And it's, and I said, I said to myself, I said, did that say Suzuku or did that say Owari? Because I was like. There is no way that was the end of the show. So I had to go back and watch it again, and it said Owadi, because after the concert ends, the, the quote-unquote like, like idol concert, or the idol con- competition ends at the end of the show, I went back and watched it again today. There was a total of 105 seconds from the point where... 105 seconds is less than two minutes, right? From the point where they announced the winner to the end of the show completely. The show has no resolution at all. I, I, I feel like... I feel like it, I feel like it had to be it to be continued because you know they have this new development that happens in like the last closing seconds of the show and then they just cut it and leave you hanging. And I thought it was See, terrible. I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think the ending is great. It's the oh, Rocky man. ending. 
I think that even with the character spotlight episodes, it always feels like we're building towards something. And like I said before, when they announced the Idol Festival plot point at the end of episode seven, there's a focal point for all of this uh, dramatic tension to build to. And, and the goal is clear, like we've got a, an end post. And I think that that's absolutely the ending. It's the Rocky ending. Like that's that I keep saying that, but that is the ending. And well, I think it's a great I ending like for the, the show. Ending. I oh, actually didn't have a problem with the ending. Because right, well, I'm all alone, but that's fine. I feel like this show like this is, there's always going to be a different point in the ending unless it goes forever. And, you know, we see them live and die as idols. But I, I think, I think the ending to me, the show was about them getting their start in the idol industry. And that's exactly what they did. I need to and I think that I think that what you have a problem with Mitsugi, the the you know the little new revelation that they're going to get like a recording deal or whatever it was at the end that's not an ending to me that's a stinger like what that does is it leaves it open for a sequel series but it also indicates that this is only the beginning the first chapter you know the first complete chunk of Wake Up Girl's story whether or not we get to see more of that story uh, is as yet undecided. Well, I but think that we need this, to have more of it. This story is complete. Oh, I agree. I think we need to have more, but this story is complete. All right. Well, I, I mean, it very clearly has a beginning, middle, and an end. I need scores from you guys because this podcast is pretty much over. So, um, I'm giving I'm giving Wake Up Girls um four rolled ankles out of five. I thought it was a good show. I, I think <laughs> rolled ankles. I think it had I think it had I think it had problems, but. Overall, I think that it's probably a much better show than the majority, if not all, of the other idol shows that have come out in the last two years. I'm going to give Wake Up Girls a very solid four animal weather reports out of five. I agree. I think four is a very fair score score for this show and not any higher or any lower. It has a lot of good things to it. Overall, it's a very enjoyable show to watch and it has a lot of good things going for it despite the problems that it has. I think the issues that I had with it probably affected m my enjoyment of the show more, but I'm not too far off from you guys. I'm going to give it three and a half panty shots because that's about how many there are in the entire show. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's about right. Out of five. So I think, I think if we average all that, it ends up rounding up to a four because we round yep. up. I pulled the chat and it was really split in the chat. Um, actually, I, pretty much the average in the chat was about a three. But there were people that there were people that said two and a half, and then there were people that said more than a four. So it's all over the place. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. I hope there's a sequel. I think that there's so much more they can they can, you know, make commentary on regarding idols if they keep if they drive them into you know the world of fame and fortune. You know what and I will like say about this show and give it praise for is that this is the kind of show at the very least where if you don't like it, you have to have. Well, you don't have to have, but you probably have a legitimate reason, a, a thematical inconsistency, a problem with character development or something like that. It's not, I didn't like this show because the colors were obnoxious and this character made me want to shoot myself in the face. And just for that, I think that's good. Just for that, that it's a show that makes people think about more than just, I wanted to punch this character in the nose is, is a good thing. All right, well, I'm going to draw to a close here with that. So we've started the winter 2014 reviews, and in the subsequent two months, we will be polishing off the shows that we you know, have waiting in our queue. Woohoo! So this was the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, episode 228. We are at www.aaapodcast.com. Once again, don't forget that you can vote right now for the spring 2014 listener choice anime that will be the ninth show that we cover from the current season. 
Um, there's a lot of shows that have already sort of separated themselves from the pack, but maybe you're one of those people that will sort of determine, you know, which one of those shows gets picked. Uh, of course, we're also on iTunes, so you can listen to us and subscribe weekly and leave reviews if you'd like. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can tweet us at AAA Podcast or at Dusty Cram Cram. And of course, right. of course, live every every Saturday night at 9:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on UStream.tv. So I have another uh, Wake Up Girl song here for you guys. Woohoo! The closing song is the song Tachi Tachigare from the anime Wake Up Girls by the artist Wake Up Girls. And we'll see you guys next week on another episode of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. So we'll see you then. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Oh, you're